The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning and welcome. It's so quick now. It's, it's like we're here and then we're there. Uh, I have to get used to it, but I love our new opener. Good morning and welcome to Autism Live on the Autism Network. And that's our new opener for Autism Live. And it makes me very happy, but it's very short. Uh, so we can get down to business. I have to remind everybody that that was completely designed uh, for us by uh, individuals on the autism spectrum, supported, mentored by Spectrum Laboratories. We love Spectrum Laboratories. So uh, we're so excited. And we're hoping very soon to um, feature, especially the main artist who was so incredible, who did this work for us. But there was a, a small team that worked on it, but one who mainly did the work. So we're hoping to have them on the show to talk about it and talk about their work because obviously they're brilliantly talented. We didn't give them a whole lot of time to work on that. I mean, uh, it was kind of short notice. It was like, hey, can you make something for us? And we look, and by the way, music is also uh, by folks on the spectrum. That we'd done a, a little bit while before, but uh, we had choices. We could make choices about which music. So I'm Shannon Penrod, and I'm thrilled to be here with you on this Thursday morning. We are live. It is the 21st of October, 2021. So it's 10, 21, 21, which is a little confusing. Uh, so, uh, thrilled to be here with you this morning. We've got a great show. Bonnie Yates is going to be joining us in a little while. And we got some other stuff to talk about as well. I just have to say, uh, you know, apparently last week when I was on with Nancy Allspot Jackson, we talked about a lot of things. In fact, we talked about the fact that we were both going to be on an Ed Talk, which I would encourage you to go and watch. Uh, about prioritizing mental health and that Nancy was going to come forward and be incredibly honest about um, some issues in her life. And I know I've, I've been honest about being in therapy that, you know, I needed that help and support and that I needed that in COVID, but I've needed it before. Um, you know, we're, we're not mentioning words about that, but apparently what caused a little bit of a firestorm was that I admitted to being an addict of Hallmark Christmas movies that for some reason that has people like going, Shannon, I had no idea. And I'm not just a little bit addicted to Hallmark Christmas movies. I'm a lot addicted to Hallmark Christmas movies. And I didn't realize that that was a thing that I, that I was keeping silent, but I, I, I refuse to be silent anymore. Uh, it's a thing. I love it. They're starting their new Christmas movies. And I should say holiday movies um, that are starting uh, tomorrow night. I, I'm clearing my schedule. Uh, it's a full week earlier than they normally do it. And I know there are people who are like, you got to stop it with that early holiday stuff. And I'm just not one of them. Uh, I, I draw the line at, you know, your Christmas tree has to be taken down by the 4th of July. You know, um, now if you put it up three days later, I really don't have an issue with you. If you're at a place in your life where you need to have your Christmas tree up. I have, a, I, I had a friend, uh, she's no longer with us that, um, she, she kept her Christmas tree up all the time. And she said, it's my life. I get to choose. It makes me happy. I'm going to do it. And one year I thought, I I'm, I'm going to try it Barbara's way. I'm, I'm going to do that. And I found out that Christmas trees get dusty and they are a pain in the neck to dust. So, 
you know, now I, I put mine up and, um, I, you know, I'm like, it's, it's gotta come down, uh, at a certain point. Cause it gets dusty. It gets dusty. But if you need, look, if what makes you happy is having a Christmas tree up the whole year, you, you go right ahead and do that. I, I I'm, I'm giving you hugs and permission, but you got to find a way to dust it because there's nothing sadder than a dusty Christmas tree. Can I just say, can we get an amen for that? Uh, but anyway, and also, can I say for those of you who are watching who don't celebrate Christmas and you're like, I just don't get the Hallmark holiday movie thing. Let me also say that they cover other holidays as well. Uh, some of my favorite Hallmark holiday movies are when uh, one person is celebrating Hanukkah and the other one is celebrating Christmas. Love, love, love. It's like, you know, some people like the princess ones where, you know, they have to go to the castle. Those are not my favorite ones. My favorite ones are when, um, you know, somebody who celebrating Christmas and somebody who is celebrating Hanukkah get together. I, I don't know why that's my favorite, but I think they're funnier and, um, and I just like it. I just like it. But Hallmark movies are very inclusive. And the reason why we brought it up with Nancy is because Holly Robinson Pete, who we adore and is on a lot of Hallmark holiday movies, uh, has a new one that's coming out uh, sometime in December. And there is an autism through line and her son in the movie is on the spectrum and is played by an actor who's on the spectrum. So, and this is not the first time that um, Hallmark has had someone uh, who is neurodivergent um, as a character, but I think it's the first time that they're having someone be a central role, a storyline, and I think it's the first time that it's being played by someone who is actually on the spectrum. But they're very inclusive, very run-of-the-mill normal to see um, a character in a Hallmark movie be in a wheelchair, you know, um, be, you know... Uh, any kind of differently abled, very common in Hallmark movies. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people are thinking of, I don't know, watch one, watch one and then get back to me. Uh, we'll be talking about this more. I'm sorry, because I am a little addicted to it. In any case, that's not really what we're here to talk about today. Uh, we're here to talk with you. Our mission here is to provide information and inspiration to the autism community. And when I say the autism community, I'm talking about the larger autism community, which starts, of course, the beating heart, the core of our community are individuals who are on this autism spectrum, of course. Uh, and we want to hear from them. We want to know their thoughts, their feelings, their questions, their concerns. But we also include in the conversation everyone who loves those individuals. So that's an even bigger group. Um, and we think that they, they are an important core to bring to the table because together, we can do all kinds of things, right? What do I always say to you? We hold hands, si se puede, right? I love that. Um, and I'm one of those people. I'm someone who loves individuals who are on the autism spectrum. That started with my son. My son was diagnosed at two and a half. Uh, he is now 18, about to the 18 and a half. How does that happen? I don't know. Uh, time flies, but he is amazing. I wouldn't change a hair on his head. And uh, we have always fought for his rights and um, for him to be able to do what he wants to do. And sometimes, I, you know, it's really hard for me. I have to go, I'm not listening. Um, and I want to admit that, that it's, you know, it's sometimes, you know, we, we want so much for people that we care about and we have to stop and listen to them. 
And I work on that every single day. So that's the place that I'm coming from. I hope that you'll join me here and bring your thoughts, feelings, questions, concerns. We're live right now on YouTube and on Facebook and on Twitter and about 16 other places. And Traven will start to show you, or I, he may have already showed you those. I don't know. I've lost track. I don't know where I am in space and time. Uh, but we hope that you'll interact with us because we want to hear from you. We want to know what you're feeling. I'll tell you. The most fun part of this show for us is interaction. We love to hear from you. And you guys probably think, oh, you know, sometimes you'll send a question. We don't get to it because that's a reality for where we are right now. And it always breaks my heart and makes me feel bad. But I want you to know that we, we see them. And when you send the question again, we're more likely to get to it. So it means being persistent. You know, my friend Nancy Allspaugh Jackson says, be a dog on a pork chop. So be a dog on a pork chop, even with us. We will we will listen. We are listening. And we love it when you guys just write in and say, I'm watching. Uh, in fact, you have the opportunity right now in the chat to tell us where you're watching and what you have going on. Uh, we love to know where in the world you are because that's a super fun thing. So we, we are live right now, but we also podcast. Uh, so we're available as a free download wherever you get your podcasts. We are the number one rated autism podcast, which is super cool. I, I Listen, that humbles me because I, I know it's because of you guys and because you've liked us and you've shared us. We don't spend money on advertising to tell people that we're here. We count on you guys grassroots. If you see something you like here, Put the name of someone you know who could who could really use this information in the chat so that they're tagged, you know, like on Facebook, do that so that they'll know to come and look. And, and we always say, take what you find here and what's useful, take it with you and what isn't tossed to the side, but, but let us know, let us know what you need more of, right? Okay. I do like to remind everybody at the start of the show, we have lots of experts on the show. My goodness, we're having a legal expert on the show in just a little while. Uh, and that's great. I love being able to bring that to you guys so you can ask them questions. But please don't mistake me for being one of the experts. I'm not, I'm not an expert in autism. I don't think I'm an expert in anything. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest about that. But I certainly care and I'm in your corner. Whatever that corner is, I want to be there with you and remind you that whatever's going on, you're not alone. I, gosh, I know it feels like sometimes you are, but you're not. The irony is that there's so many of us standing, you know, in these places going, I'm all alone in this, but we're not, we're, we're all together. We have a, a common string that pulls us together, that we love individuals on the spectrum and want what is right for them, what is best for them right? So we can connect and hold on to each other in that way. So hanging on to you, giving you a hug and hanging on to you, right? So uh, please, please participate, but don't mistake me for an expert. I have a very strident voice. It's just my natural speaking voice. So it sounds like I think I know what I'm talking about, uh, but it's just passion. That's all it is. Um, and I, and I have, I have to say, I have been hosting shows about autism for a really long time. And I've, my son was diagnosed how many years ago? 14, no, 16 years ago. Um, so this isn't my first uh, go round. This is my first rodeo, right? But um, it's just opinions. I, ha I, I like to say I have an informed opinion, but that's what it is, it's opinions. So 
anyway, I'm thrilled that you're here hanging on to you. So we do like to start the show with something that we fondly refer to as the jargon of the day. This is when we take one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what in the hey, nani, nani are the experts talking about? We give you first the actual definition. Then we make fun of it and because uh, it's a hobby. And then, and really, what can you do with it, right? Because a lot of these definitions, it's like, thank you for nothing. And then we give you a working definition, and we try to give you an example to help you to see if it makes sense in your life. Mainly what I want to do is help you to go, okay, wait a minute, is this something that would help me? Um, and, and it's not as much about the, what the jargon term is and memorizing it as much as it is understanding what the help and support the jargon could give you is, does that make sense? And the truth is, um, if you don't get it the first time, don't beat yourself up about it because none of us got it the first time. And in fact, I didn't get it sometimes the fourth, fifth and sixth time, right? In fact, the term that we're using today, all this week, we've been doing our, DRI, DRA, and today, you know, it's going to be DRO in a second. I'm giving it away. But these are these are the hardest ones for me. I can't keep them straight just in terms of terms. But in my life, if I'm wanting to change my behavior or someone that I love's behavior and help them, I understand the concept. And that's really what I'm wanting for you guys to get to the understand the concept that we can we can help mold behavior to help support somebody. All of us. We can support ourselves and other people. Uh, I love the Fate says I'm acting like an expert by just watching you and Dr. Doreen. Yay! I like that. Uh, we act as if until we get there. So let's take a look. Today's jargon term, I already gave it away. D-R-O. <laughs> Alphabet land. We played that earlier this week. Okay, so let's take a look at what the actual definition is differential reinforcement of other behavior and they're calling this omission therapy so reinforcement is given in the absence of a targeted behavior or is given as long as the target inappropriate behavior does not occur oh my gosh it's like well wait a second isn't that the same thing of giving it to an incompatible not White. So let's go to our working definition and see if we can get closer here. So DRO is being mindful and specific about what you're rewarding so that only responses that meet specific criteria are awarded all other responses are ignored. Can you tell that a BCBA had their hand even in this definition? Yeah. So uh, hello, Spectrum Laboratory. We were just spreading love on you a minute ago. Uh, so, all right, let's see if we can't make heads or tails of this. So let's say that we've got a challenging behavior that someone is doing and we have looked at it and said, gosh, this is a really hard behavior to get at for various and sundry reasons. Like the example I'm going to give you is that, um, cause the one that I always think about with DRO is that if your child is doing something inappropriate to the dog. Like, let's say the child is pulling on the dog's tail. Well, and we look at it and we go, what's the function of the behavior? Why is the child pulling the dog's tail? And it could be a lot of different reasons, but let's say that we find out that the reason why the, dog, the child is pulling the dog's tail is because they get a response from it from the dog. 
that the dog yelps. And there's something about that. The child doesn't understand that that's a yelp of pain, right? But they, there's something that's rewarding about it. And, and this is not acceptable, right? Because we can't have the child hurting the dog. And eventually the dog is going to bite the child. And you don't want to get rid of the dog if at all possible. And you're not getting rid of your child. So what do you do? So one of the things that's really effective when, cause you can't, you also can't sit the dog down and go, now listen, here's the thing. When you see the dog coming to grab your tail, we want you to move out of the way. And for sure, we don't want you to yelp, right? That's not going to work. Um, the dog, that's not going to happen. And you could separate the child and the dog. You absolutely could do that. And that could be one intervention that you do, but it, you know, if you could get to a place in your life where the child no longer hurts the dog and they could be in the same room, that would be living your best life, right? Um, and if the child is young enough or um, impacted enough that we really can't get the child to understand you're hurting the dog and this is not okay, right? Because they don't have the context for that, then what do we do? DRO. DRO says, you know, we're going to see how often does the child grab the dog's tail. All right. So that when we put the dog in the room with the child, we know that the child can go about a minute and then they start grabbing at the dog's tail because they're getting that response. So what we would do is now give huge rewards for everything that is not grabbing the child's, everything that is not grabbing the, the, the dog's tail. So we're making a really exciting environment and, and we're, you know, it, it could be that the child really wants to play with their phone and we're, you know, giving them rewards and we're letting them play with their phone and we're rewarding everything that is not grabbing the tail. If he should, you know, we would try to block grabbing the tail, but if we mess up and the child grabs the tail, everything that was happening that was a party goes away. Boom instantaneously. If the television was on and it was the reinforcing thing, it's off. If they have the phone and they grab the tail, the phone, the phone is no longer available. So whatever the reinforcer was, and, and I, it's dicey because you know, you're looking at this and going, oh, you're punishing that. No, no. The focus here is rewarding, giving a reward for all the other behavior and trying to prevent getting to the circumstance where it happens. But if if all of our fail safes end, then yes, it, it, what, it, what we need to think of it is not as punishment because nobody's going, hey, you pulled the tail, give me your phone. That's not happening. But it's as if the power goes out, right? And there's no eye contact, there's no discussion, but the phone goes away, the TV goes off, and it becomes like, Foomp. what happened? Somebody just pulled the plug out of my party. Um, but then the second that they go and do something else, the party's back, right? So what we're doing is showing the person everything else is good. This is a non, nothing. I get no reward. I get no, no attention, which means no shaking finger and lecturing, right? But it's important to note that we're trying to also block that behavior. We're not going to put the dog at risk. But I know it sounds weird, but it's really, really effective to reward everything else. This is a really effective intervention when you've got like limited choices. We see this a lot in classrooms where sometimes the kids will do things just to make the other kids laugh. 
because you can, you can say to first graders, please don't laugh when he does that, but you know, it's really hard, right? Um, so instead of trying to get people to not react, we go to this DRO. We reinforce absolutely everything else except the behavior that we don't want to see. Make sense? Um, so what we're showing you this week is that there, depending on what the, the environment of the behavior, there are different interventions, but these are all scientifically shown to be effective in different circumstances. And DRO can be very effective when you can't control other variables. Sounds weird, but it actually works. I, would, I wouldn't encourage you to try this out on your own. I would want to be working with a really um, talented BCBA to walk you through it. Uh, that would be my recommendation. But DRO, very, very effective form of intervention for challenging behavior. Okay, we got to move on to our question of the day. And our question today is what helps to distract you from unpleasant things? Oh my gosh, this was me yesterday. Can I just tell you, and I didn't even know that this was the question of the day. Uh, I can't stand paperwork. Paperwork makes me like this, you know, and I get overwhelmed so easily. Uh, I said to my husband this year, when my son started college, I was like, did you notice we didn't have to do any paperwork at the beginning of the school year? Cause he can't stand to be around me. The, usually the first, you know, how the first day of school, they send your kids home and there's that pack of paper and, and you have to fill out and it's repetitive. I don't know why it's so aversive to me, but it literally brings me to the edge of a panic attack. And yesterday I had so much paperwork and, and now it's so much more complicated for me than ever. Thank goodness for my son, because I just forward everything to him and I say, can you print it for me? He prints it. All I have to do is fill it out. I give it back to him. He scans it back for me. And then I just have to attach the right document. But even that is so overwhelming to me, you guys. It is so overwhelming. And, um, and I was having to talk myself through it and go, okay, like, you're just going to do it one thing at a time. You can do this. You're capable of doing this. It's not that bad. Um, I, I, I was chewing some gum to help me to get through it. I, you know, walked around the living room between each piece of paper. I took deep breaths. I put some music on to distract me so that I could force myself to get through it. And I know I've got more paperwork to do today. This whole month has been all about paperwork. Um, Cause you can imagine as we've started the autism network, it's paperwork um, and it's not my forte, right? So, but what do you guys do to distract yourself from unpleasant things? Can I tell you my Hallmark movies? When I tried to explain this to somebody the other day, I was like, on Sunday, Sunday is my day, right? And on Sunday, I, you know, put on my Hallmark movies and I don't like to clean. I find cleaning the most boring thing on the face of the planet. But if a Hallmark movie is on while I'm in the room, I will clean. I will clean. And not only that room, but other rooms that, you know, the commercials come and I will say to myself, okay. I got about two and a half minutes worth of commercials and it's like a little contest that I play with myself. I hate to unload the dishwasher. It's just so boring. And I am a person who can start unloading and I go, this is just so boring. I, I, I have been known to stop and get distracted and go do something else. And um, instead of doing that, what I love is with a Hallmark movie, I go, okay, I got two and a half minutes. Can I get the whole dishwasher unloaded in two and a half minutes? And I do 
really quick and I'm back on the sofa before the thing ends. And it's like, I didn't even notice that I got the dishwasher uh, unloaded. I get my laundry done. It's, you know, it's, it's because I, it distracts me from, I can't bear to be bored. I, I just like, I have no attention span for, for it. So that's what I do. Uh, what do you guys do to distract yourself from unpleasant things? I like to sing too. There's been a job or two in my life. Um, when I got out of graduate school, the only job I could get in the first minute was to work in a car mat factory. Oh my gosh. How much respect I have for people who work in factories. I don't know how they do it because I thought I was going to lose my mind. Uh, and we had to have those noise canceling headphones on. So you're like hearing your own breath and you got to do the same thing over and over. I, you know, so I just started singing at the top of my lungs and then eventually I started dancing and singing and they, they were like, what is up with that girl? Uh, <laughs> no, got me through it because I can't stand to be bored, but I want to hear from you guys. What do you do to help yourself to distract you from unpleasant things? Uh, that's, that's what we want to know. All right. And of course our topic this week, we always have a topic of the week and, and this week it's been very apropos, uh, as we've talked about mental health and prioritizing mental health. Again, I want to encourage you to watch that, uh, t the Ed talk that we did at the Ed Asder Family Center, Nancy Allspaugh Jackson and I were guests on that on Tuesday. You can find that on their Facebook page. When it feels like you can't go on, what do you do? when you're facing a moment when you feel like I can't do this. I just can't do this. I remember very distinctly the first time that I had what I now understand to be a panic attack. And uh, I, I always want to put this in the right context for everybody that, you know, I think as parents of individuals on the spectrum, we talk a lot about how stressful it is. I want to make sure that everybody hears me say, especially for those members of our community that are on the spectrum, I want you to hear me say that it is almost never, I, I, I just want to say it's never because of the child themselves. Um, it just isn't. So if you, I know that that's confusing to people who don't understand, but the main stressors, and it's been documented with surveys and studies, that what's stressful to parents of individuals on the autism spectrum is all the things that we have to go through to make sure that we are good parents to you. And, and we constantly feel like we're not getting it done or that we're missing something or we didn't stand in the right line or we get in the right line and somebody gets in our way and tells us that you don't deserve it and we know we're going to have to fight for it. That's what's stressful. You're not stressful. We love you and we feel a need to do right by you. And, and the world isn't always easy with us about that. I wish that the first minute that a, a child was diagnosed, that the parent would be shuttled into a place where everybody hugs them and says, we got you. You're going to be great. You're going to be fantastic. You've got this many people to help you to ask questions. Here's the funding. Here's the therapy. Here's the hotline to call and ask questions. Here's respite. Here's support. But that isn't, even now, that isn't what we do with parents. We make them have to find out where those things are, stand in line for it, be berated, right? And all a parent wants to do 
is to support you for your best life and do what's best for you. So, so that's what's stressful is that we have to work to be able to get what you deserve. That's the stressful part, right? Um, so please know that that's what I'm talking about when I talk about the stress. Um, but we love our kids. Wouldn't trade our kids for anything. Uh, we just love and adore you. We just want to be our best parents for you. The world doesn't make it easy. So there was a moment when my son was probably four, three, and I was realizing how big the mountain was that I had to climb to show up for my kid. And, and I didn't know if I was up to it. Let's just be honest about that, that there was a scary little moment. And I remember exactly where I was in, in our little rented condo that I was walking from the dining room um, into our bedroom and my house was a mess. There was something on every single surface. I needed to go and get groceries and I didn't really have the money to afford it. And I needed to do like 18 loads of laundry. And I was like, I need a different job to be able to have more time to be able to, to do this intervention. Like I just had this moment where it all came crashing down on me. And, and there was this thought that I had where I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I didn't choose this and I don't know if I can do it. And when I, I want to be clear, what I'm saying is I don't, I didn't know if I could do all the things that I needed to do to support my son. Right. Um, I didn't know if I could be a good parent to him. And in that moment, it was like this squish of my heart. My heart kind of slowed down for a second and, and I couldn't breathe. And it was like, oh my gosh, because if I can't do it, then, then I'm not a good parent. And I had to hold on to something. I got dizzy and I was like, something is really wrong. I think I might be dying. You know, is this a heart attack? I didn't know that it was a panic attack. And I called a friend and I said, this thing happened and, and it went, it passed. Um, and then I was able to breathe again, but I was scared. And they said, yeah, you know, that's probably a panic attack. And the worst part about a panic attack is that now, you know, you're going to fear that happening again all the time. And boy, did they hit that on the head. But what I learned over the years was that thoughts and feelings are like cars on a highway. They go by and we can notice them. We can hop on them and ride them for a while if we want to, or we can let them go. We have, we don't have control over a bunch of different things, but we have control over to a certain extent what our brain decides to visit. And that I can be in the past. And as Ted Lasso says, you know, the past equals depression and we can jump to the future and worry about the future. That's all anxiety, right? But the, the, Ted Lasso says they call it the, the present for a reason, y'all because it's the present. And if we can stay in the present and say, I'm choosing in this moment what I'm focusing on. And sometimes that means you got to stop everything and say, I'm choosing to focus on breathing right now. I'm choosing to focus on just today, loving my child for exactly who they are. That's all I'm choosing today. Or we say, I'm choosing today to make one phone call. All I'm responsible for today is one phone call. Because here's the truth. 
I don't know if everybody will tell you this, but here's the truth. If every day you took one action, do you know what that would mean over a year? That's 365 actions. That's a lot. That's a lot. I don't really know anybody who does that, right? But if every day you just move the dial just a little bit, that's the whole game. That is the whole ball game. That is what's effective with ABA. That's what's effective in anything. In life, you know, uh, it's amazing. When you look at anything that you've accomplished in your life, stop and think about how you did it. You did it increment, increment, increment. Uh, my son just graduated from high school and he was like, oh, I graduated. Yeah, because for four years, you went every day and, and it added up to something. Now he's going to go to college. He's going to blink and he's going to graduate from college, right? So same thing with anything that you're working on. Every day, focus on one thing, you get there. Uh, so I just want to say to you, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Reach out if you feel like you can't go on. Stop for a second. Breathe. If you need to, you know, call in friend, you know, somebody that you trust, whatever. Get the help that you need so that you can breathe. I certainly needed help with the panic attacks. Oh my gosh, I needed help with the panic attacks. I, I didn't know how to manage it on my own. Couldn't have done it on my own. But focus on just this moment. Don't get in the past. Don't get in the future. Focus on this moment. What do you need right now? If you need help, don't be afraid to reach out for it, okay? Sending you love giving you air hugs. All right. We've got the amazing Bonnie Yates here with us. She's from Tolner Law Offices. She's an amazing mom, an amazing special education attorney. We adore the ground she walks on. And there she is. Welcome, Bonnie. Hey, hold on a sec. I messed up. I can't. I'm okay. Here we go. Here we go. Me and my buttons. <laughs> I had that happen yesterday where I got caught up in my buttons and I was like, I can't see anything. So I appreciate that. But Bonnie, tell us a little bit about Toner Law Offices. Toner Law Offices is a California law firm. We're a 12 attorney firm with offices in Southern and Northern California. And we represent students with disabilities, whether they're under the IDEA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, Section 504, the Rehabilitation Act, or any other anti-discrimination statute. Um, if you are in California or Arizona and you want to consult with us, we offer a free consultation. You can go to our website, Toner Law Office's website, T-O-L-L-N-E-R, um, and uh, fill in the form and request a free consultation. And we, we try to bring topics to the show that will educate you about your legal rights under the federal uh, Individuals with Disabilities and Education Act, as well as um, to some extent under your state law. So I'm feeling a little guilty today because everything that I have is California. And um, I'm, I'm going to try not to do that. I'm going to try to make it more general, but to some extent, as California goes, so the rest of the states go. And what I plan to do is I plan to start at the very beginning of the education code uh, with you guys and go all the way through this year. So we're going to take you from start to finish. It'll start with um, child find and eligibility. It'll end with what happens if you have a due process hearing. Um, but I got sidelined because I got some really good information about independent study 
and some other things that I wanted to share with you. So acknowledging that unfortunately it's California state stuff, we're gonna talk about it anyway. And, um, and maybe it'll just sort of give you some ideas for dealing with the stuff uh, in your state. Uh, so it's interesting, uh, California passed a law providing independent study AB 130 for uh, school year 2021-2022, it replaced distance learning from last year. And so very few public schools in California have a separate online type academy the way they did last year, and that's causing problems for some parents. Interestingly, AB 130 said that it was not supposed to apply for students um, who uh, had IEPs under Ed Code Section 56,000. And I thought that was a good thing because I didn't like the idea that somebody who had probably a fairly uh, service-heavy IEP was going to get independent study instead. However, other attorneys in the state of California, including Valerie Vanneman, who is, you know, I think it's fair to say Valerie forgot more about special ed, has forgotten more about special ed than any of us ever learned. She's really, um, and this is a shout out, shout out to her. She's incredibly dedicated, smart, and creative. She took a look at this thing and she said, it discriminates against children with disabilities because everybody else can have independent study and they can't. Hmm. So there have been some refinements to the whole thing. And that's what I want to talk to you about. So if you are um, a person who needs an alternative to going to school because your child is um, immunocompromised or otherwise susceptible, um, you can do independent study as follows. Your IEP team can authorize independent study. And that gets you around the prohibition that's in AB 130 itself, saying it doesn't apply for special ed kids. You don't need to be able to complete work independently to be an independent study. Well, that's one of those great things that people say, and it's almost like a joke, right? You don't, I mean, it's called independent study, but you don't need to complete work independently. Okay. Well, what I haven't been able to figure out is what does that mean then instead, and what is your independent study going to look like? So I can't really answer that for you today, which is probably the thing you want to know most, but here's what I can tell you. You can request independent study, and you can add it to your IEP by amendment. That means you don't have to meet. It could all be done with an exchange of emails. Um, if when you meet, you can't reach an agreement about what the independent study is, is going to look like, then the services that you have in your last agreed upon IEP will be your stay put services. But they, they must consider, they must consider your request for independent study in, in a meaningful way. Independent study, if you opt into it, is a change of placement, just like if we moved you from um, a regular education class to a special education class, it would be a change of placement. So if so, it 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 gets treated as such. Um, there's no availability of independent study for preschool children that have an IEP. However, it can be available for students that are um, 
over the ages of 18, but not yet 22. So um, that's just some stuff to, you know, get your your uh, little mice running on the wheel inside your head that Shannon was talking about uh, running faster, if you think that that would be helpful. Charter schools do not have to offer independent study. So that's, that's a, something to know if you're in a charter school. If you do ask for independent study, you're entitled to both a pre-participation conference with the school principal and your child's teacher. And as part of the independent study plan, they have to tell you every uh, every week how much, they have to tell you how much synchronous, in other words, face-to-face, real-time teacher interaction you're going to have in independent study every week. Um, so in other words, how much synchronous time. You don't need a doctor's note. You do need to request it by, via the IEP team. If they refuse, they have to give you prior written notice. If you're in independent study and you want to come back to school, they have to implement it in five days. So that's quick. And then the California Department of Education has uh, updates and webinars on this topic at its website. Um, so that's interesting. And they also included a sample letter that I'm actually going to read because I thought it was sort of good and it probably puts the issues into clear relief. Dear IEP team and superintendent, I'm the parent of blank who has blank. My child has an IEP. My child is at increased risk of exposure to COVID-19 and for severe outcomes from COVID-19 because my child was able to participate in distance learning last year with access, pick one, some of most of all of their services in their IEP. My child's health would be at risk by attending school and or receiving special education services in person. As such, my child's independent circumstances require instruction and services delivered through a virtual learning model with services and supports through the IEP. Um, I met with my child's IEP team on blank date to ask for independent study, but the IEP team is uh, refusing to consider independent study. I'm asking that you allow my child to enroll in independent study with supports and services. Alternately, I'm requesting you allow my child to continue in distance learning with supports and services in, in order to meet my child's uh, individual needs and so on. So I'll, I'll, I'll send this letter on um, to you, Shannon, so you can put it up where you put things like that up. But that's a little piece of business. Um, relating to independent study that I think is good. It's going to come down to the individual plan and the individual team, but we know that some people definitely need this option. So, so um, a bunch of questions. Yes. Okay, good. Okay. So um, you said we don't really know if your child cannot do independent study independently. We don't really know what that's going to look like right now, but I guess my big question that's is- The IEP team is going to decide what it's going to look like. So the school has a responsibility to figure it out. The parent doesn't have to figure it Correct. out. It's not it's a, it's a, no, it's a, it's a placement like any other placement. So the responsibility is, is on the district. Because I think what we saw. Pretend, it, let's just pretend it's a resource room placement. Okay. So the, the parent goes and has a meaningful discussion with the team and says to the team, hey, you guys are the experts. Tell me what this is going to look like. Yeah, and then but I think that the fear is that for a lot of parents, when they were doing the distance learning, they would send the packet home and the parent was responsible. Well, it, they made the parent feel like they were responsible for the child getting the work done and getting it turned in. And then the, and then the parent goes, yeah, well, how did I suddenly become the teacher? 
all those people that did that have great cases and they should file them before March 16th, 2020, because it's very clear that having the parent provide the instruction does not constitute proper implementation of the IEP. Let me just clarify. So they should file by March 16th, 2022, correct? Yeah. What I meant by that is COVID started March 16th, 2020. You have a two-year statute of limitations in California and in many of the other states. If your um, objection is that your child didn't receive a free appropriate public education during COVID, and the only way your IEP got implemented at all was because your parents helped you implement it, districts have pretty much conceded that they're liable for that time period from March 16th through extended school year 2020, and sometimes after that. So you people are sitting on cases that are as strong a case as you're ever going to have. You can probably get a lot of stuff without even filing. You can probably get a lot of stuff through informal dispute resolution. The attorneys are dying. They're overwhelmed and they're getting hit so hard by cases and districts are just trying to settle things because they know they don't have a defense to at least the first COVID. Okay. So if you have that in the past. So if you had that in the past, you should be getting a, an attorney like Bonnie or going to copaa.org and finding somebody who can help you to negotiate this. But but moving forward, Bonnie, for anybody who's like, what I'm seeing in parents is they're so afraid right now to ask the school for anything because they're afraid they're going to get stuck teaching again. So the past does not equal the present or the future. If if you are asking for independent study for your child because you want them to be home learning, you should not be the teacher. Is that correct? Uh, that that should be the case, but I don't know that it will be the case. I mean, the, the problem is that the public school teachers went back to teaching in their classrooms and the public schools don't have a lot of extra teachers to provide learning to students who are at home. So it's really going to be on an individual basis how well the district actually does with this, and they might not do well. I'm just here to tell you that there is an in-home option and and that you can individually design it with your IEP team and whatever they say they're willing to do, they have to give you. So maybe, maybe you can convince them. What they're going to want to give you is a home hospital teacher Home hospital instruction is for temporary disabilities only, and it's not it's not intended for special education students except for very temporarily. It is not a substitute for the kind of um, learning that your child needs, and it's not even right for them to offer it, but um, they might try. But so- we have seen, Bonnie, that some people are able to get the independent study in their home and, and get the school to contract with the ABA provider that they're already using at home to have them be the instructional aid for the work that's being done at home. We've seen that. It's yeah, not I mean, that's nothing wrong with that if you can make the insurance company play ball, right? But otherwise- Well, but it doesn't go through the insurance. The school pays for it. Well, but the insurance is paying for them to be there too. So I don't even want to get involved in that. Let's just say- They do different funding sources. I've seen it. Let's just say that it is possible for the school district to pay for supports and services in your home and they they could look in different ways. And also they can pay for parent training 
to support the independent study. And that's, I believe, up at the CDE website where they have the webinars and the information also. You can ask for parent training at any IEP meeting if you feel like you need it in order for your child to get benefit from their IEP. There we so, go. Okay. Okay. So the other question that I had for you, let's see if I can find it in the recesses of my mind. Uh, I might have to come back to it. I can't think what the other, because it was a big question. Wait till you're oh, married. I know, I know exactly what it was. <laughs> we were told, uh, everybody's been told, uh, you know, if you're going to choose to have your child be at school, that your child is at school unless they get exposed to COVID. You can't just suddenly decide to go home and learn. And if you are at home, you can't just decide to come back to school. They have like, each school has like certain dates that when a new semester starts or whatever, you can't, but they all tell That's parents the same thing. People can go back and forth. That's not for people with an IEP. There we go. Okay. That's what I want. People with the IEP, the AB 130 says, you can come back into instruction five days after notifying the district. And if you need to leave the district and uh, physical district and do independent study, then you can request an IEP team meeting and ask them if they're agreeable to this, will they do it by amendment and you even have to meet. But I would have that meeting because I'd be very concerned about not a, you know, having a discussion and getting agreement on how we're gonna do this, right? But to be clear, these rules that you just stated are clearly defined for California, not necessarily for, say, Texas. Correct. Is that correct? Okay. Each state is going to, you know, each state is going to handle it differently. And each school district is probably going to handle it differently. And some school districts in California uh, decided that they like having a virtual academy. They think maybe it's something useful to them in special ed disputes. I don't know what the reasoning was. Maybe that's what the reasoning is, maybe it increases the pass rate, maybe it means you can take more students in your district and have you know, the ADA for each student. But anyway, you're not locked into independent study uh, okay. if you have an IEP, but you, you do have a right to access it. But if you were just as an attorney, and I know you know that you 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 know you're not licensed in let's say Texas, because I know a lot of people who have ARDS and they were told special education, they were told you have to choose on this date, you have to choose whether your child is going to be for the whole semester or part. Um, should they press on that and say my child has an IEP that's not you know well you can look at it. You can look at the Texas Ed Code and you can go to see what protection and advocacy in Texas is saying. If he's not retired, there's a very fine lawyer in Texas, Martin Circeel, C-I-R-C-I-R-K-I-E-L, I believe. And he'd be the person to answer that. I don't know anything about Texas law. I used to be uh, licensed there. I decided I really didn't like the judges there. They're um, not very student friendly, so I left. So now what we're going to talk about is uh, AB 104, which deals with retention, grade changes, and high school graduation requirements. And this is not limited to people that have IEPs. This is intended to address problems caused for potentially all students, whether in general ed or with an IEP, because of school closure. Okay, so uh, AB 104 provides new options to address student learning loss due to COVID-19 school closures and distance learning. 
AB 104 makes three specific changes to the law. First, it establishes a new retention request process. Second, it allows for grade changes for high school students. Third, it provides an exemption to high school graduation requirements for specific juniors and seniors. Okay, let me say something about grade changes before we get to AB 104. Getting a district to get a teacher to change their grades or to recalculate the amount of credits that a student has is a very difficult process. Teachers are afforded tons of autonomy when it comes to their grading process. And so it's not easy normally to get a teacher to adjust a grade, okay? So AB 104 um, addresses that, but it also has a process whereby you can request retention. Now, parents that I talked to have heard of retention before. It sort of comes out of the era when, you know, maybe I was going to elementary school and stuff where if you weren't meeting grade standards, you were retained. Retention became unpopular um, because districts felt that if you retained a student with an IEP, it was tantamount to admitting <clears throat> that the IP hadn't offered FAPE, right? So in my career as a special ed attorney, there have been very few kids where districts allow them to be retained, although there were a few, but it, it's not common. So the retention request process that the state has approved is only for the 21-22 school year, right? It's addressing COVID. If you would like your child to be retained, you must send a written retention request to the school. Your child must have received a D, an F, a no pass, or similar grade in at least half of their classes in the 2020-2021 school year. You cannot submit a retention request for a student who is in 12th grade in the 2020-21 school year because they've already graduated. Once you submit a retention request, the school must hold a meeting. Your, um, this meeting must be held within 30 days of your request. The meeting must include you, your child, an administrator, and a teacher. The team will talk about your retention request. The team must talk about the following. Learning recovery options. This includes specific interventions and supports and access to prior courses in which your child received a D or F letter grade in the 2020-21 school year, credit recovery or other support, your child's academic data, any information on whether retention is in your child's best interests, including academic and social interests, the research on the effects of retention and the types of interventions and supports that have been shown to help students. The school must make a decision on whether to retain your child within 10 days of the meeting. Any decision to retain must be consistent with your child's IEP. If your child is retained, they will repeat the same grade that they were in last year. The school must offer your child extra intervention and supports. If your child is not retained, the school can still offer your child specific interventions and supports and can also offer your child access to courses from the 2020-21 school year that your child received a D or an F in credit recovery or other supports. Do you have questions before I go on? 
I do. If we could sort of, because it's funny, I just was talking to a parent yesterday in California who was saying that um, the distance learning was so bad that their their child is behind um, and and should be in a certain year in their high school career and they aren't because of the um, the distance learning. So you're te- you're telling me that there should be accommodations made to catch that young person up. Correct for this one year, exactly. Wow. Um, and it's interesting because I think what a lot of us did, we did retention in a different way. We kept our kids in an extra year of preschool. So my son didn't start kindergarten until he was six and a half. And that was very deliberate on my part to give him an extra year of developmentally appropriate speech and peers and so on. Um, so then the next part of this is that that how you make how you um, request a grade change. Um, you have to have you have to have gotten a, um, a, a a poor grade, and you can request that they change the grade to a pass, no pass, and the school must grant your request. Schools cannot limit the number or type of classes eligible for grade changes. Grade changes cannot negatively affect your child's grade point average. Grade changes cannot impact a student's eligibility for state financial aid. For admission, Cal State University must accept a transcript with pass-no-pass grades for any university applicant who is enrolled in a California high school. See, this is for high schoolers. From the 2021 school year to the 2023-2024 school years. Schools must notify families of the grade change option. Now, here's where it gets a little tricky. Schools must post a notice on their website and provide families with written notice of this option. Once your school provides you with the written notice, you have only 15 days to submit your grade change application to the school. The the school must change your child's transcript. The school must notify you of the grade change within 15 days of receiving the grade change application. Yeah, I wish I I wish we'd had this conversation uh, a year ago because I'll be honest with you, the law, the law wasn't in effect a year ago, Shannon. Right. Well, there we have it. There we have it. But this it would have been a difference. Reaction to what happened during COVID. Right. Well, my son graduated with honors, but my son should have graduated with high honors. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of COVID and COVID stupidity, he didn't. Um, this wouldn't and, have helped him. It wouldn't have helped him to change his high grades to pass no pass grades. Well, right? so it only would have helped if he had failed something. Then you're that's saying. what it seems to be okay. um, doing. Yes. All right. Well, exactly. but um, I, I understand. I understand how you feel. Yeah, he did all the work, and yeah, yeah, yep, yep. And you know, I think sometimes teachers' inabilities to cope with what was happening. Really, I mean, like not. I think I know it affected our kids' ability to access the curriculum in a way that made sense to them. Uh, it's you know hard, hard all the way around. Um, but interesting, very, very interesting. So if your child has failed something, there's a possibility that they can recover credit and still Correct. stay on track and maybe graduate when they're supposed to. Is what, what Correct. And here's the last little piece of business about AB 104. Heretofore, it's always been necessary for you to complete your uh, 
district requirements for high school graduation and the state requirements. AB 104 provides for just the 2021 school year for, uh, for an exemption for juniors and seniors in the 2020-2021 school year who are not on track to graduate from high school in four years. These students only have to complete the statewide high school graduation requirements. They do not have to complete the district's separate high school graduation okay. requirements. But is that only for kids with an IEP? Nope. Mm -mm. Okay. It's for juniors and seniors. Schools wow. must give these students the opportunity to complete statewide graduation requirements through a fifth year of, of um, school. Okay. So that's the last little part of, of AB 104, but it's important. Okay, and we are right out of time. So Bonnie, I thank you so much. I did find uh, the Circeal Law and put that in the comments, uh, Mark, that you were talking about. So if somebody's in Texas, because you mentioned him, we want to remind everybody, though, that you are at Tolner Law Offices. And if somebody is in California, they can reach out to you uh, and they'll have to provide some information, but you do provide a, a free talk with them to see where they stand. Um, so uh, tell them, or, or Traven, did you just put up, tell them where they can reach Tolner Law Offices, Bonnie. You can reach Tolner on the website. You can call me directly, 310-245-1968. My email is in the website. Fantastic. I thank you so much, Bonnie. I thank everybody at Tolner Law Offices for lending you to us for this hour. Want to remind everybody tomorrow we're back live with Dr. Temple Grandin. It's your last opportunity. If you've got a question for her, we're not taking live questions tomorrow, but she will be answering them live. Send the questions now. Last opportunity to send me questions. I'm, I'm finishing putting the list together in the next hour. So send me questions and we'll have Dr. Grandin on live tomorrow. Bonnie, thank you so much. All right. We'll see you next week. And we're going back to the very beginning. There we go. And eligibility. All right. Thank you so thank much. You. And thank you to all of you. See you tomorrow. Until then, give your kid a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>